Hi, I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and I am at the Midwest Lipid Association meetings in Minneapolis, and I'm serving as a roving lipidologist. I was able to sit down with Dr. Ann Goldberg, the president of the National Lipid Association, and ask her uh, what she was expecting from the meetings. Current updates in preventive cardiology, in lipidology, we're focusing on treatment of difficult patients, we're looking at biomarkers, we're looking at evaluating atherosclerosis, we're looking at what to measure when we're evaluating patients for treatment. And we're going to be talking about all of these things during the course of this meeting tonight and on Saturday. I look forward to learning all of that. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you. I'm here with Tara Dow, a lipidologist in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, at the Midwest Lipid Association meetings in beautiful Minneapolis. Tara, how's it going? It's going great. Anything new in the lipid world? Well, a lot of new information, especially on uh, today, at least on women and children and updated guidelines and importance of really identifying risk in these patients that we've otherwise really categorized as low risk in the past. So I got a question for you. Do you have a favorite biomarker that you're using to kind of stratify risk? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say in my lipid clinic, I'm routinely doing NMR lipoprofiles, and I am doing more LPPLA2s and lipoprotein little a's at least in select patients to identify risk. But my staple at the moment is NMR lipoprofiles. So no CRPs for Taradol? I occasionally order them, but I think because, because I'm doing right. LPPLA2, I think it's a better inflammatory marker as far as assessing more specific, risk. More, more specific, specific to the blood bacteria. vessel wall, yeah. Any uh, new revelations, any eye-opening things that you've learned here at the meeting? I think one thing that is really important as far as in the field of women is really looking at global risk assessment versus the 10-year risk that we use looking at Framingham. It's really important to identify many more women at risk than we've previously been identifying and really uh, targeting treatment earlier in life. Um, I think in the pediatric patient population with obesity, we should be really doing a lot more screening than we are. There's many children at risk because of obesity as well as because of the metabolic syndrome epidemic, so we should be targeting them earlier. Tara, thanks for talking to us. I'm here with Peter Toth. And uh, I was lucky enough to hear your lecture last night on vascular biology, which was quite fascinating. And uh, you, you kind of compared it to the universe and the cosmos and how limitless things are out there and how awesome things are once you start looking inside into the, uh, even into the intima of the arterial lining. You showed some fascinating pictures of, of cholesterol crystals and actually cholesterol spicules, which I'd never seen. And uh, you raised the fact that these could potentially lead to a, uh, a plaque rupture. I was wondering if you could just comment on that. Well, sure, Larry, and thank you. Typically, we think of a plaque rupture as being driven by, say, a plaque fissure, a sudden fracture along the matrix or shoulder region of a plaque. Perhaps a calcific nodule may fracture, and this exposes blood to underlying tissue factor within the vessel wall, a variety of collagens, elements that promote coagulation and platelet aggregation. And through some very, very elegant work by Dr. Georgia Bella at Michigan State University, he's been able to show that uh, another intriguing mechanism for inducing an acute coronary syndrome is through the projections of cholesterol crystals and spicules through the surface of a plaque. And this is very interesting because as a plaque evolves, as it matures, 
a considerable amount of lipid, including free cholesterol, can accumulate in the lipid core of the plaque. Under certain conditions, clearly this cholesterol can crystallize, and if the crystal is large enough, it can project through the surface of a plaque and actually potentiate plaque rupture as well as overlying thrombus formation. So any idea of how many events are caused by these spicules versus just normal plaque rupture? Any way to know? I don't believe there's enough autopsy data available to draw a conclusion from, but it is extremely important to know that beyond the sort of traditional view of plaque rupture with the formation of overlying thrombus, there is also this other mechanism, and probably there are still others that have yet to be explored. So how can we as practitioners even get a glimpse at uh, seeing if someone has these types of spicules? We can't do electron micrographs on all our patients. That's correct. If they're living, you can't do electron microscopy on any of your patients. But I think something that is of interest here is that we are moving toward a day of using molecular imaging through PET scanning, forms of magnetic resonance imaging, where you use specific molecules to tag plaque, you target specific antigens in plaque, and can light up a plaque like a Christmas tree based upon the type of reagent you use. And certainly with imaging studies like that, we're going to learn about other mechanisms of acute coronary syndrome induction, and perhaps we may be able to image some of this crystal formation in vivo. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Lipid Luminations on ReachMD XM157. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and I'm coming to you live from the Midwest Lipid Association meetings that were held in Minneapolis in September 28th through the 30th. And I was able to track down some of the keynote speakers, and uh, here's what they had to say. Peter, in your talk last night, you talked a little bit about a a different way of thinking about the development of uh, atherosclerosis. Most of us think of it as LDL always penetrating the endothelial cell from the uh, inside of the artery, but you talked about neoproliferation of the vasovasorum and of getting lipids in perhaps through the back door and into the adventitia. I was wondering if you could kind of elucidate us on that. Sure, Larry. There is emerging data that actually you can impact rates of atheromatous disease progression not only from the endothelial or intimal side, but also from the adventitial side of a blood vessel. Vasovasora are small lacy blood vessels that feed the outside of a blood vessel. In patients who have significant hyperlipidemia, these vessels have a tendency to proliferate and become more dense around the blood vessel, investing it ever more fully. So is that kind of similar to what you'd see in the retina of a diabetic? There are some parallels, yes, because it does involve neovascularization. So why does this become important? Well, as these small lacy blood vessels proliferate around a focus of atherosclerotic disease, they're comprised of very leaky pericytes, endothelial cells, and the problem is that you can leak cells into the adventitia. Now, this can include red blood cells, but also white blood cells, such as T cells and B cells. And toll-like receptors 2 and 4 can become activated. And you can really mount a very significant inflammatory response. Now, another issue is that you can also have a rather large leak where you actually bleed into the base of a plaque. This will lead to the deposition of a very large number of red blood cells, 
And there is evidence that of all the cell membranes in our bodies, red blood cells have among the highest concentrations of cholesterol. With all this excess deposition of red blood cells, the body's going to mount a host defense response and attempt to remove this. Now, a lot of the phospholipid red blood cell contents are removed, but what gets left behind? It's actually the cholesterol. So not only can you import excess cholesterol through the endothelium and down into the subendothelial space and the intima, but this appears to offer a mechanism by which cholesterol accumulation can occur by red blood cell entry via the vasovasora into the base of a plaque. Now, another problem that can arise is that as white blood cells permeate the base of a blood vessel, this potentiates inflammatory change. Do the white blood cell populations that come into the intima, come into the adventitia from opposite sides, do they commingle? Do they interact? Do they signal with one another? We're not sure yet. But certainly, if you have enough hemorrhagic episodes or a single large hemorrhagic episode into the base of a plaque via the vasovasora, this can put considerable tensile strength on a plaque, potentially leading to rupture. And this offers us a new glimpse, a whole new possibility as to how someone can experience a sudden plaque rupture. Peter, in your talk last night, you showed some beautiful pictures of the cosmos that looked like they were taken from the Hubble telescope. Uh, What were you trying to get across to us? Well, they were from the Hubble Space Telescope. And the idea there was to help to impart a sense that the more we learn about this process called atherosclerosis, the less we really know because there seems to be such an enormous number of processes, inflammatory cascades, signaling mechanisms that conspire to give rise to this disease, that this is going to be a very long investigative venture to finally unravel how ultimately to prevent this disease. However, in the meantime, we also have pretty certain knowledge that when we treat established, identified risk factors, we can beneficially impact the course of this disease. But to completely understand it, certainly there is a very long way to go. i got to tell you, I, I am not a religious person, but when I listened to your talk last night and saw all the pathways and all the many complicated things that are involved in this disease, it does make me think that there may be an um, a, uh, intentional designer out there. I'd like to thank our guests from the Midwest Lipid Association meetings in Minneapolis. You've been listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. And thanks for listening.